1: But your eyes tell you
0: it's true. Shut. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 238 of The Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle and this is the second episode of June 2018 and our DaiKaiju rediscussion of the 1966 film Wrath of Daimajin. Now in just a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-hosts for the discussion, but in the meantime, let's kick things off by taking a little journey. I see a path ahead of us, listeners. Let's just uh, travel up this path. It's getting kind of steep. Oh my gosh, this path leads us directly over my mountain and into Hell Valley. In class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. This year, we are re-examining some of the classics that we covered very, very early in the podcast and in the life of the Daikaiju discussions. We watched this month's film, Wrath of Daimajin, way back in episode 14 of the podcast. It was only our second ever Daikaiju discussion from February 2010, and Cindy was the only person that came over. I've never had any dudes come over and review this movie. It's only been the ladies of the show. Because it was so early, I really didn't do that much research on the film, so I'm actually very happy that I spent a little time before the episode Looking at the history of Daimajin, I actually watched all three movies. (laughs) I actually watched the first film, subtitled, which I'd seen, you know, so many times before. And then I watched the second film, dubbed. I watched the AIP presentation. And then I also watched the third film, dubbed, which is something you'll hear me talk about a little bit in the actual discussion Anyway, before Gretchen and Rachel show up and we watch the film, I wanted to talk a little bit about this movie trilogy. I said this the last time we talked about this film. There's just not a lot of information out there. Or if it is, it's really difficult to find if you don't read Japanese. Lucky for everybody... Uh, I have had a much more watchful eye in the past, like, eight whatever years. So now I can finally share some, you know, potentially new information for you guys out there if you are Dimagine fans. And if you've never seen these movies, don't leave. The Dimagine films are amazing. And the third film has nothing to do with the first film or the second film. They're all standalones. You might hear some of these facts repeated during the discussion but i definitely wanted to say that this movie series this trilogy of films Daimajin Return of Daimajin and Wrath of Daimajin they all came out the same year 1966 that year was huge for giant monsters it was giant for giant monsters you could say the phrase kaiju boom was actually used for this time period 1966 saw Gamera versus Barugon Daimajin Return of Daimajin, Wrath of Daimajin, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, and War of the Gargantuas. Now, the following year, in 1967, both Nikatsu and Shochiku produced their own kaiju movies for the first time. That would be Gappa the Trifibian Monster and The X from Outer Space, otherwise known as Daikyoju Gappa and Daikaiju Girara. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Sort of. We're talking about giant monsters here. The point is, this was a crazy cool era to be into kaiju. There are many, many criteria that set the Daimajin trilogy apart from other giant monster properties. All three films are set in feudal Japan, specifically the age of warring states, which is called Sengoku Jidai. This was actually from 1467 to 1603 AD, and it was a very dangerous time (laughs) for Japan. Everybody was killing everybody to take over everybody, essentially, is what happened. And then I think immediately after that is when the Edo period happened, and that changed everything for Japan. But that's beside the point. We're talking about the Daimajin Trilogy. It's the only giant monster series that takes place in feudal era Japan. Oh, you know what I just realized, though? 1966 is also the year of The Magic Serpent, which was a Toei monster fantasy film. So that was also technically a feudal era giant monster movie. But this is really three movies what we're talking about here. So they win, right? The Daimajin Trilogy wins. And they should win because the Daimajin Trilogy is amazing. The second thing that sets this apart from other giant monster movies is that Daimajin is kind of small. He's only 50 feet tall. And what that does is that allows them to build miniatures for him to wreck in a much more detailed fashion. Additionally, and also harkening back to the Feudal Era stuff, Daie Pictures was very well known at this point for making the Zatoichi films, which is the Blind Swordsman series. There are a lot of those movies. And so Daie had a full wardrobe and I'm sure set pieces available to them that they could film and it would not cost them anything extra than what they've already been doing. So it's not like they had to go make a whole bunch of new stuff. They already had it. At their disposal. One of the special features on the Mill Creek Entertainment box set Blu ray is an interview with the cameraman from the Dye series. He also worked a lot in that time period at Dye, so he had a lot of stories to share. And one of the things he talked about is in this film, where the bad guys are, this big old school looking quarry with the sulfur pit in the middle has this crazy cool Japanese wall around it. And what they said was that was already there because they're actually filming in an old archery. I don't know what you call that, an archery pit. (laughs) I'm just going to make that up. But they were filming there and they already had the wall. So they didn't even have to build that. (laughs) Another thing that I feel that sets these films apart from the other kaiju films, it is totally serious. There's really no humor in it. In fact, I think maybe this film, the third one, because there's kids in it, might have a smidge of humor, but that is very quickly squelched underfoot of the giant hideous god. While there are many other things I could mention, I did want to say that Daimajin is actually, we call him a kaiju, but I think he's technically a kaijin because he's humanoid. Does that change how much I absolutely love these films? Not one bit. I'll have a link in the show notes to this amazing Sci-Fi Japan article that talks all about this. Of course, it's written by Ed Gojucheski. It's called "Dai's Idol of Terror, Daimajin, the Avenging God. It is a really great piece of research about the Daimajin series. This trilogy, as I've said before and will say again in the podcast, all came out in 1966. The first film, just titled Daimajin, Was released April 17th. The second film is called Daimajin Ikaru, and that was released August 13th. And the third film, Daimajin Gyakshu, was released December 10th. Now, the confusion here in the States of the titles because of ADV films is going to get covered on the podcast later during the discussion with Gretchen and Rachel. But one of the things I did want to mention is that I can actually see why it could be confusing to somebody. I actually looked at what these titles actually translated to. Not what the international title or what the AIP release was, but Daimajin Ikaru sort of translates into getting angry, right? So to get angry. That's sort of what Ikaru means. Daimajin Gyakushu, if you are like familiar with the Japanese titles of the Godzilla films, the second film, Godzilla Raids Again, is actually... Gojira no Gyakshu, which means Godzilla's counterattack. So Gyakshu means counterattack. I wish I knew what the no was and why it was in the Godzilla movie title, but not in the Daimajin title. Maybe somebody out there can clue me in on that. But basically, if you're looking at this, Gyakshu, you could be like, well, that's like somebody's counterattack. They're striking back. So Daimajin strikes back is actually, I think, something I've seen. But that could also be somebody thinking, well, you're gonna return, (laughs) so that's the title of Return of the Daimajin. Maybe they're looking at Daimajin Ikaru and saying, well, Ikaru means getting mad, so that one must be the wrath of Daimajin because he's getting angry. But ADV, you messed up. You knew you messed up later on when you fixed your mistake. But unfortunately, very similar to like people thinking that there are two endings to King Kong versus Godzilla which we know there are not. ADV sort of screwed the pooch by sending out misinformation, and unfortunately that misinformation can be construed as some sort of canon because it's an official release that was approved by the company Dae. So the first film, Daimajin, was directed by Kimiyoshi Yasuda, who actually would go on later to direct, like this is a big achievement, to direct the first yokai film, Yokai Hyaku Monogatari, which, by the way, ADV, you screwed that one up too, but we'll get to that later. It was written by Tetsuro Yoshida, who actually wrote all three of the films. And then, as you could definitely tell if you've seen any of the movies, Akira Ifukube was the composer for it. Masaichi Nagata was the producer for all three as well. And the special effects were done by Yoshiyuki Kuroda. The second and third films in the trilogy, they actually changed the director to Kenji Misumi, but the rest of the head roles stayed the same. Obviously, this movie was made in 1966, so it's going to be all practical and optical effects in this film. And I have to say, Dai, like the rest of the Japanese film industry at that time, was firing on all cylinders with this particular film. While I am not going to talk about every film's actors, I do want to say that because these were produced at Daei, if you've seen the Gamera series and the Yokai films, and hey, if you've even seen a bunch of Zatoichi films, you're going to recognize a lot of the people that pop up in these movies. The cast for this film, of course, is mostly kids, and I did want to actually give them a shout out. Suruchiki, Daisaku, Kinta, and Sugitatsu all did a pretty darn good job, I thought, in this film. I don't recognize those kids from anything else later in life, so I don't know if they've continued their acting careers, but that'd be Hideki Ninomiya as Tsuruchiki, Shinji Hori as Daisaku, Masahide Izuka as Kinta, and Muneyuki Nagatomo as Sugitatsu, or Sugibo! And the last thing I'll mention before we get to the discussion really is that I'm very impressed that the same guy played Daimajin in all three films. I know that the Gamera series did not have one suit actor that played Gamera in all those movies. So to have a continuous actor, and actually he's got a cool story you'll hear later in the podcast, but uh, I think it's really cool. Anyway, one thing that's not cool is AIP never produced an English language trailer So what we'll do is instead of playing a non-existent trailer, we'll actually hear Death of the Golden Sun, another track from Ifukube. Joining me here in the studio, we have Rachel Cook. Hi there. And Gretchen Brooks. Yay! And these lovely ladies came over to watch Wrath of Daimagine tonight, which was pretty uh, fun for me. I've seen it a lot, especially today, because I decided today is the day I'm doing my Daimagine research. And uh, so I, I spent all day with the giant hideous idol god. Did you wow. guys, how'd you guys do today?
0: Uh, <laughs> I didn't spend the whole day with <laughs> right. Daimajin. We, okay. we yes. ate some ramen. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I was wondering what
2: you had for food. Oh mm-hmm. yeah,
0: Wajamaya, ramen.
2: Hello jealous. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so, uh, well let's actually start with the basics. Who here has seen any of the Daimajin trilogy before? Me. Gretchen. Earlier you said it'd been a while.
0: It's been about, I'd say almost 15 years. Okay, yeah. that's
2: impressive. That's impressive. So in, in addition to the the Dimogene trilogy, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you have also seen the entirety of Dimogene <laughs> canon.
0: Yes. Which
2: I also have seen. Now, I noticed, Rachel, that you didn't raise your hand.
0: <laughs> That's right. And
2: you had not seen any Dimogene anything before, correct?
1: That's totally true. Yes.
2: So I have to know, first impressions of Dimogene as a property.
1: I liked it. I thought... I can see why people think that Daimajin is is very cool i I think that he it's it's a very powerful like stern statue it's it's different than than monsters and the fact that i i feel like it's more serious mm-hmm. i don't know he's, for sure more just, serious absolutely you know, mm-hmm. yeah intense like onerous like kind of you know. God, like, I don't know, it's it's you, different vibe. You're hitting you know? the nail so, on the yeah, head, as
2: far as yeah. I'm concerned, for sure. Impressed, potentially, right? Yeah, yeah okay. I was impressed. All right, cool. So, uh, I have seen this movie, like I said, a, a bunch of times, and I think we should just dive in. Let's so, do it. let's start with you, Rachel. Okay. What was your favorite <laughs> aspect of the Dime the wrath of Dime
1: Well... I overall I was really impressed with the we kept talking about how good it looked for the year that it came out it came out what was it 66? 1966 yeah and it looked phenomenal I mean mm-hmm. they had really nice you know sets and the clothing looked great it was shot really well and beautifully so shot just Absolutely, as a film yeah. it was really nice to look at Um, it definitely felt like ahead of its time um Compared to some of the other kaiju stuff that we've seen from that era, I was actually kind of shocked. Like it just sounded, even though the years are right, it was like Showa era. Mm-hmm. It was like, whoa. Yeah. I just, I would not have put it there.
2: High quality. Um, yeah. High quality. yeah. Yeah. Looks sharp
1: Good stuff. So, um, but yeah. And I, I, I got a kick out of just the whole idea of everybody, you know, being afraid of, of Daimajin and how he is this just really, Big cool. presence in the whole
0: film. He's so. a wrathful god. He is. Yeah. Yeah. So you're.
2: Your. one of your favorite aspects? Was the you were sold on the presence of Machine.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Excellent. it worked very well.
2: Cool. Super cool. Yeah. Gretchen, how about you? What's mm. one of your favorite aspects of this movie?
0: Well, I just love how the Machine costume looks in general. The the stone statue going from when he awakens to when he goes to slumber. Mm-hmm. I like that transition. So. Where he becomes more stone-like, and then when yes, he's alive, yes. he has that like um, almost like a samurai general or shogunate mask on.
2: Do you think this would be a good opportunity for me to spout some of the knowledge that I learned Heck earlier yeah. today? Oh, you want yeah. guys are hearing about some of this stuff. So this film, in addition to the other two films, all came out in 1966, and the design of Daimajin was technically taken on by the producer Masayichi Nagata. The special effects director, Yosuyuki Kuroda, and the designer of Daimajin and probably more of the film as well, or the trilogy as well, Ryo Takayama. They designed him based on Der Golem, right? Mm, So totally this old German 1920 film about (laughs) a... Stone idol that comes to life and seeks vengeance. Right? Oh. It's sort of a classic. I believe it's a Jewish tale, isn't it? It is. So, uh, that was their original, their original inspiration, but they used a classic Japanese practice and sort of tweaked it a little bit to turn it into the lore of Daimajin. And the design I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at the history of Japanese armor because when I look at Daimajin, I, I see a samurai armor kind of thing in there. Yeah,
0: like a shogun's.
2: But at first, I thought it was maybe a little too simplified, and I was like, "I wonder why that is." So I looked up the history of Japanese armor, Hmm. and allow me to show you a doll of a fourth century warrior, Hmm. and tell me what this looks like (laughs) to you. Whoa!
0: Yeah, totally. That's like Daigojin's face when he's asleep. I, yeah. didn't,
2: I didn't look up Daimajin for this at all. So wow. basically what happened is I found this 4th century armor, this battle armor is called Keiko or Kake Yoroi. And it's this 4th century simplistic armor that basically Japan started doing once they got on horseback (laughs) so Mm. it's like ancient right so ancient for the time i was telling rachel earlier that this movie is set in the sengoku era which is about 1400 to uh, 1500 Mm -hmm. we're talking 80 in terms of the rest of the world's you know calendar years but the fact that this is like already an ancient form of armor you know i think that really helps sell it too so yeah I was really glad that I got to you know share that. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. It's really cool,
0: and it shows. I mean, and especially like when he would go to the sleeping section, Mm -hmm. like when he would fall asleep, and the the snow covering his face like looks exactly like that. Yeah,
2: totally right. So and and so for (laughs) listeners out there, there's this Japanese practice. uh, As you're walking around, even in the city, you'll find tiny shrines with little tiny statues that are called jizo statues, Mm. and they're basically uh, almost formless people you know they've got very no real features defining them maybe a little bit of a facial thing going on are
0: the ones with the red cloths yeah people
2: put red cloths on them cuz of buddha uh, right i don't know all the details of that so i don't feel comfortable like saying yes or mm. no but i i definitely know that it has a religious symbology involved in it mm-hmm. and uh so i've always looked at daimajin especially his stone form mm. as like an armored up jizo statue And so when I saw man, when I saw this online, I was like lost. It. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have to post a a photo of this in the show notes so you can see what I'm looking at, especially if you're a fan of Daimajin. So I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, In addition, the original design of Daimajin had oni teeth, right? So his stone resting face looks like this sort of statue that we Mm -hmm. see here. But his face is based on an Oni design, right? So I can see that. Yeah. But the original design had these like lower teeth sort of jutting out from the The corners of his mouth. And uh I can show you in one of my books actually. But there was a tiny figure that came out by Iwakura from these like these guys over here, those little teeny tiny sets. And uh when I went to be on Jeff Dean's program horror holocaust radio back in the day mm-hmm. I actually I don't know what I was thinking I gave them that as like a little gift like hey here you go thanks for having me on the show
0: mm. <laughs> No <laughs> Jeffy wants it back
2: That's okay I can I can get one if I really want one
0: <laughs> I'm a grown man
2: I'm a grown man Anyway uh yes anyway I don't know how we got on off track exactly but you said something about the the look of the armor and I was I took the opportunity Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, that was cuz we're
0: talking about my um <laughs> talking about things the things you liked. I liked. Yeah. yeah. That and uh, the I really liked the costuming. It was beautiful and authentic looking. I uh, agree completely. Uh, mm, yeah. Every stitch, every like especially are we were watching a Blu-ray
2: yeah, because
0: yeah. It, it was super sharp. You could see like every flipped stitch that was on these people's outfits.
2: Yeah, it looks really good, right? And the,
0: the wigs on the kids, I was like, oh, those are adult wigs. That's hysterical, but <laughs> that's okay. Like it was, I bought into it.
2: If I shave my head real good, next time I go, there's a place in Asakusa where I can rent one of those wigs.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <there you go. laughs>
2: or I could go down to Kyoto's Toei Movie Studio Park and actually get the whole That's what I cosplay. did when I was in
0: Kyoto. It was like dressed in like um, the gay, Outfit. Oh, yeah. And I paid like the little extra money and you can walk around, around with it. I want to do that. Oh, but I want to do that in but you the can actual. Only go in a certain vicinity. Uh, oh, They sure. watch yeah. you yeah, like a I'm, hawk. Yeah. <laughs> I am sure. I
2: want to do it in the actual uh, studio theme park that they have there.
0: Oh, oh cool. Yeah.
1: That'd be neat. Anyway. Yeah.
2: Uh, yes. So the reason that is, of course, as we have talked about here in the studio pre recording, is that Dye was on a big, you know, Samurai Kick, just like most of the other movie production companies in Japan at the time. And a lot of people that worked on Daimajin and the whole trilogy worked on Zatoichi films.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense now.
2: Okay. So anyway, there you go.
0: Were a lot of those extras, were those um, extras from Zatoichi films? Because I thought some familiar fa- Okay. There are definitely <laughs> some familiar faces. That makes so much faces. sense now because I was like you watching him, them going, I've seen these people.
2: Yeah, you see them in the Gamera movies. Totally. You see them in the mm-hmm. Yokai films and you see them in Zatoichi and some oh, of the other okay. Jidai Geki that they have. So my favorite aspect of this film is sort of a combination of what you guys said. Really, it's just kind of like Daimajin as himself, like the actual monster of Daimajin, I think is so unique, mm-hmm. so cool. And uh, as we'll talk about later, like I was excited to hear about a reboot process for him. And uh yeah, I just think that Daimajin's not dead. I think it we, we definitely could have something cool Daimajin come out in the future. Uh, and we'll talk about the the TV show. No. Yeah, we will a little <laughs> bit.
0: Oh, I thought about like the, just don't, I'm just asking that Netflix doesn't turn into like, an Oh, anime. like a Daimajin Anime, like really hey, mad. If,
2: dude, if Netflix decided to produce an anime based on Daimajin, I'd be happy with as that. because it didn't because, look like
0: Godzilla. Earth. Yeah, but they
2: also did devil man. The devil okay, man that was, was good. Great. So.
0: Devilman cry baby. It would not that? be a <laughs> horrible yet, loss. If Netflix things. or somebody decided to
2: pick up the Daimajin property. And take it into this next era of film or television making. Anyway, I love Dimegine, and I actually do love the trilogy very much, and I would hold it very high in the whole oeuvre of uh, the genre, as it were. So, what didn't we like about this, Gretchen? What was your least favorite aspect? Senseless death. Senseless death, eh?
0: Yeah, Kinta, man, what? The why? kid who
2: went down the river. Yes, <laughs> so went down why, the river. Why are we know. the river. kids?
0: And also, like, it just didn't have any... There was no point in There's
2: it. There's no oomph in it either.
0: I mean... Because
2: like... They didn't cry. Go on right, without me.
0: Sugi-o's
1: reaction <laughs> was so pathetic. I'm he pretty like, sure
2: that I saw that he was supposed to be crying.
1: Right. I think so. <laughs> they instructed him to cry.
2: I think, unfortunately, um, that's that's the that's the issue that you can take with child actors, and yeah, it seems like a lot of times. Yeah. And I'm going to say, especially in some of the Japanese productions... The child actors aren't as strong as the uh, adult actors. You yeah. know? Well,
0: and the guy I kept calling, jokingly calling Fat Mafune, um, he—I <laughs> <Yes. laughs> didn't like him very much. He was okay. a bad guy. All right, that was rude. Hit people with whips. That was rude. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a
2: bad guy. Bad guy. You're supposed yeah. to—you're supposed to hate them. Yeah. <laughs> when vengeance comes calling, <laughs> you're supposed to be happy to see them get impaled on Dimasheen stubby sword.
0: Or stepped on. Yeah,
2: exactly. The dude who gets stepped on in this movie. That's oh, That was so gorgeous. Amazing. I
0: wish they had like gone, sploosh.
1: Yeah, a little, little blood <laughs> That would have been
0: amazing, <laughs> right? It
1: could have been a little over the top, maybe. It would have been so it would, good. It would be, I would have so probably good. cheered. Probably. Uh, right? Yeah, maybe a little.
2: So what, what did you not like about this film, Rachel?
1: uh, I kind of had a love-hate thing for Sugi Bo. I just, (laughs) you know, it's like he, he's an annoying little kid and he's kind of whiny and he acts terribly in parts of it. But at the same time, he does some great things and you like him and. I don't know. It's tricky because he, he is kind of a hero in some sections, but he also let the kid go down the river. But <laughs> Yeah,
0: he did. Yeah. He
2: tried really hard to like hang on Kenta. to Kento, but right. Kento just was like, yeah, it's my job. I'm going to sacrifice myself. Yeah. We're not all coming back from this mission, you guys, and I'm exactly. going to make sure of it by letting go.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't
2: know. He hurt his leg. Was that really enough? It seemed like they well, were almost. He was there. like,
0: I'm, right. I'm toast, right? Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah.
1: Like, he's like, my leg hurts. I'm kind of done, right? He, maybe he's seen
2: a lot more uh, samurai films that I right? have, and maybe? he just yeah. knows the process, right?
1: I, I, I didn't believe it totally. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, well, oh, and now he's dead. Okay, but <laughs> but <laughs> that aside, Sugibo, when he goes and takes the food from those hysterical. bad bad guys. That are, you know, tracking good, them right? down. That was great. That was a good Looney Tunes like <laughs> moment. Yeah, I, loved it, I, I yes. loved it. And the music. We like we talked Do-do-do. about the music during that time. That was <laughs> it was kinda of fun little on, I honestly, out of the box for, Ifu yeah, Mikube.
2: I don't so. think I've actually heard that song on the soundtrack for that movie before. Like, oh, I wonder if it's even there. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying I'm not as well versed with the soundtrack of the Daimajin film. Right. So, do you guys know that, uh, if Fukube actually recycles a whole bunch of work? So you yes. hear themes from this movie that you'll hear in like King Kong Escapes, I believe. Unfortunately, the website I used to look at for that kind of information is down or it was down last time I looked. Hmm. GodzillaMonsterMusic.com. I hope you come back soon. It's just a blank page now.
1: Oh, oh, it's too bad.
2: Since I'm in a dour mood now, let me talk about what I didn't like about this film. (laughs) This film, unfortunately for me, has the sort of weakest villain premise. Mm. You know, being shoved into a pool of hot sulfur sounds like it could be terrible you know it sounds Mm -hmm. like a a a villainous thing to do but the other films i will say the bad guys have a little more edge to them like in the first film somebody takes over a castle you know Mm. in the second film they take over an area of land that they're really you know the bad guys are jealous of the good guys having and then this one it's like sort of they're in a sulfur pit down there's a mine you know in the but there's no...
0: They're forcing villagers uh, to work there by yeah, beating them no, up.
2: If you watch uh, this movie called Tau noteski that one's for you, Mike Keller, uh, Moon Over Tau, they're forcing these people to work... We watched... Clancy was here
0: oh okay it was
1: okay me, yeah it was me because it was I mean, um he and I kind of look alike that
2: <laughs> anyway
0: so that monster over there yeah the yeah, one. yeah yeah so, yes okay. exactly
2: so basically there's a reason why they're forcing these people to work and I kind of felt like these villains didn't really give the best reason Which like one came I wasn't out first Oh, well, this came out way before, okay. t- yeah, Moon Over Tau came out in like 1997.
0: Okay, so m- I didn't realize. Many decades I wasn't after. thinking about it.
2: I know, this movie looked so damn good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think basically I really do love so much about this film. This is kind of my favorite of the trilogy, so it's hard for me to even say anything that I didn't really like. Well,
0: why is it your favorite? I think I like
2: this one because the first two feel maybe a little hollow. Like the. You don't think this
0: one reigns hollow? Like in the, just because of like the interactions of the characters? I think or, sometimes
2: the pace slows down and sure. it might hurt it. But I think that in terms of sacrifice, the kids, if, if you can allow yourself to get swept up in the movie, right? And yeah. I like to do that. I like to watch movies by myself a lot because I can just kind of envelop myself in the movie and I'll get into the characters. I'll get into their plight and, this movie is much more of an adventure feel, mm. with the end result being this cool kaiju that appears. Mm. Where the other films are more like your standard samurai film that a kaiju appears in. This one is a little, it's a little off the beaten path. Okay. See what I did there?
1: Mm-hmm. The
2: path <laughs> down mountain, jeans yeah. mm-hmm. mountain. Yeah. There, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I don't know. This one's my favorite. I think just because it's different. I mean, I really love the entire trilogy, like so much. It's one of those things that I will always suggest to people. Mm-hmm. And actually, we can, we can move into our final thoughts on the movie itself. Gretchen. Hmm. Where does this sit for you?
0: Well, I love Daimogen series. And of course, I really like the show too, which we'll talk about. Um, but, I I would I let a Kaiju newbie watch this? Mm-hmm. Not the third one, but I would start them off on the first series, you know, before showing them anything else. So, so
2: like the first one would yeah. be good. Yeah, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's a great it stands up. Obviously, I didn't I couldn't even place its time because it looks so good and the sets were so good and the Kaiju suit looks great and I didn't realize how short he was honestly at first because I had forgotten how tiny of a kaiju he is in comparison yeah
2: in comparison he's he's more like king kong size
0: totally yeah
2: so this is like the only book i have on the original daimajin trilogy it's a mm. magazine book Daimazine special effects graphics on the back you know which also see how they spelled Daimazine?
0: Mm. i'm w-
2: wondering if it's got the same characters in mazin and mazinger like oh. mazinga zetto maybe you know anyway Yeah, Daimajin apparently is like 50 feet tall. Okay. So way smaller than your standard Godzilla. Mm
0: -hmm. Is he taller than Mininia? (laughs) (laughs) Mininia? I'm like, Mininia? (laughs) I think that
2: depends on the movie, right? Right. (laughs) Like in Son of Godzilla, Uh. he starts out smaller and he's got to get bigger. And then in Final Wars, he's obviously (laughs) only like six feet tall (laughs) at some point.
0: (laughs) Well, four I feet love, like, tall? I don't ratios. know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah.
1: Dime Machine.
2: Let's yeah, hear it.
1: I, yeah, I got a kick out of it. What I kept comparing it to as I'm watching it was um, Pulgasari because that was what I had seen first. And I know that when we did the Pulgasari episode, I can't remember. I think it was it was um Brian and Martin were the other people on it with you and me, mm-hmm. Kyle. And I, Brian, I know, had seen Daimajin as well as you, but I can't remember if Martin had seen it. But either way, it kept getting compared to Daimajin and, and from things that I've heard over the years as well. Um, I'd always wanted to see the film and just kept not putting it on, even though I'm pretty sure we have a <laughs> copy of it, um, of at least one of them. I don't know if we have all three, but it's very cool. It, it is very... Different than than the typical kaiju movie, I feel like there's a lot of different things um, as far as there's no like big battles or anything like that. True,
2: true. Um, mm-hmm. That that last one is really the only thing you get, and that's like kind right. of the formula of Daimajin. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But um, but it, it does have such a great um, you know, climactic ending to the film of just all of, of Daimajin, you know, being really the third act of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool.
2: Awesome. I would say for me, actually, I didn't get it from you. Would you show this to a kaiju newbie? Mm.
1: Uh, it's tough to say. I would say it might, it might be easy for them to to take in because it's not a silly looking monster to mm-hmm, what some mm-hmm. people would consider. Not that I think they're silly, but you know, but um, <laughs> but getcha, you know, I get you. Yeah, it's um, it, it being a large statue maybe is easier to suspend your disbelief on sure so.
2: okay yeah i think it being a period piece too for sure oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. Lends I a hand helps, yeah i think for that helps yeah
0: i think that makes it more interesting mm-hmm. yeah.
2: honestly yeah I definitely agree. again like breaks the mold of what we're used to i didn't do this earlier i'm probably going to record something about it but you know this was made in the time where everybody was jumping on board the uh, kaiju train you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. 1966 so, the Godzilla movie that came out this year was Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. We also had War of the Gargantuas, where,
0: mm, uh, you know, right. we're on
2: the tail end of 1965 that had both Monster Zero and Gosh, Frankenstein Conquers the World. Good
0: Dimogen looks in comparison to like War of the Gargantua. Really? I think Dimogen looks sharper than War of the Gargantua.
2: Interesting. Well, I would actually ask you to watch a Blu ray version of War of the Gargantuas okay. then. And not saying that you're wrong or anything. I'm just saying like, if you haven't seen a, a Blu-ray version of the Toho movies, I think it's worth checking out at least. And now Dime Machine is its own beast, really, because you're not going to get a monster that small, except for mm-hmm. Frankenstein. I think Frankenstein starts out at 50 feet tall, mm. but then it gets bigger because that's what the boys do. Dime Machine, however, yes, absolutely. Gets, looks freaking flawless. Looks so good. That's one of the reasons I think it holds up so well mm-hmm. is that whole filmmaking aspect where they just, they had everything they needed already. They didn't really have to make too many sets or anything. <laughs> so good.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: actually, just out of curiosity, hmm. where does this film sit with you, Gretchen, and the three? So the first one, he's on the mountain and comes down. And uh that's when the castle has been taken over by the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And the girl sacrifices herself or offers to sacrifice herself to Daimajin. The second one is set in a sort of city by a lake. And the lake has a little island on it. And that one has like a Daimajin statue on it.
0: The second one doesn't stand out to me very much in comparison to the the first one and the third one. I don't know why.
2: There's like some hallmarks
0: maybe. Maybe. Like
2: I could say. That they picked back
0: up in the third, even though they shot them all at the same time.
2: They shot them well. I don't know how they shot them
0: or shot them like sequentially. sequentially they definitely or... shot
2: them in the same year for sure, because they all have different settings. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of them, you know, big movie business back. I mean, this is the the peak of Japanese cinema. But I'd was say in the, the bad mid-60s. guys
0: were better in the first one than they are in the third.
2: Sure, one. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree.
0: And You're the echoing, acting,
2: yeah. Well, I, mean, I can't.
0: I'm so bad at
2: me personally. <laughs> I'm so bad at gauging Japanese acting. You know. I think sometimes well, it's sometimes it's obvious. Yeah,
0: kid actors, man.
2: Kid actors are kind of <laughs> obviously bad. And sometimes. I'm a parent,
0: and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the couple things I wanted to mention here is I really also love the special effects in general in this film. I mentioned his name earlier, Yoshiyuki Kuroda. I think did a fantastic job for someone who is like, I hate to say it, not. A.G. Tsuburaya, you know, Mm -hmm. like he did an amazing job with the special effects in all three of these films and. Rachel, you definitely should watch the other two. Oh,
1: I sure. will. Yeah, for sure.
2: Kind of apologize mm-hmm. about having shown you the third one. But, That's, you know, okay. since, since you're less of a, a fan of kids than of adults, then you mm-hmm. might like the second two, you know, the first Am one and like the second better? one better.
0: Yeah. I, I think you'll like them better. Could be. Mm-hmm.
2: Were you guys here for the time when I announced this and I was like trying to make sure everybody knew exactly yeah. which movie to watch? Mm-hmm. So the reason that is, is because when they came out, this is for people who may not have heard that episode. When these films were released in America, actually, let's dial it all the way back to Japan. When they were released in Japan, they came out April 17th of 1966, August 13th of 1966, and December 10th of 1966. Oh, wow. Breakneck speed. Mm -hmm. AIP acquired them in 1967, but they only bought the rights to two. They bought the rights to the first and the second. They released it on TV, apparently, as My Gene, Monster of Terror. And the second film, which was released as The Return of Giant Majin, ADV Films, if anybody is familiar with them, they released the Gamera Trilogy, the Heisei mm-hmm. Gamera Trilogy, back back in the day, right? Right when VHS in, uh, was transforming into DVD. So they came out with the Daimajin Trilogy subtitled on VHS, but they switched the order of the second and the third films. Hmm. In 2002, they released another set but on DVD this time same same order they say they you know screwed up their order still and then in 2005 they finally fixed the order and released them individually on DVD bringing us to the set we watched tonight which was from Mill Creek Entertainment which came out September 18th 2013 on Blu-ray Mill Creek actually used the english dubs from AIP for the first 2 films and then recorded a third dub oh, for wow. the third film which that was
0: so bad i
2: know it's yeah. bad that hurts
0: my heart
2: <laughs> i'm sorry but i watched it earlier today and i did want to mention that while it's bad i find it interesting that someone would actually take the time to hire people to do a dub in today's market. And so my hat goes off to them for that. Sure. I do actually, I know it's hard to hear, but like, I Mm. honestly feel like there might've been some Japanese voice actors doing Doing I their own accents. Some of them sounded very, very authentic It sounded to me. really
0: racist. <laughs> but
2: is it racist if it's authentic?
0: No, I guess not. But I'm just saying, this felt like that, that one little blurb that we got to listen to, I was Which like,
2: was literally like five seconds it and Gretchen's was, like, I can't
0: handle it! I just can't, I just can't. It was so like, <laughs> okay. it was really bad Englishy and like, I yeah, I don't know.
2: It sounded, sounded really realistic to me. Uh, and I watched the whole thing, though. I watched the entire movie. <laughs>
0: Wow, I know just like these wonderful Japanese actors and I just hate that they're like covered <laughs> up with these like I could really not agree more I could like, not agree especially more the old lady that was however tragic.
2: there's a there's a def- you cannot argue you can argue actually you can argue <laughs> if you want to but like you have to understand like there's a that barrier that I was talking about right yeah, like yeah. some people not a lot of people who listen to this show I tell you but some people are like Japanese I don't want to read English. I want to hear English, and so I can completely understand wanting to cater that to get more people to see your stuff. So it makes sense. My hat is off to them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I will say this: in today's society, I think it would be very difficult to do a dub that sort of harkens back to the '60s dubs that people love have nostalgia for. People aside from Gretchen love. because you don't like them
0: no i don't and,
2: and that's understandable but like but to do that and not have it sound potentially racist yeah you know so uh that was probably all i want to talk about now even though i have way more that i could chat about before we get to the listener submissions though Let's talk about a little TV series that came out in 2010 called Daimajin Canon.
0: That looked like it came out in 1998.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought the effects were actually okay It was more their outfits. I
0: was just thinking they're, they're like
2: their... really look like, yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely like... like late 90s, early 2000s. But that could be stuff. like,
0: it was kind of silly looking. It's off,
2: right? Yeah. But there's a little Edo era in there a little a bit, little you know, bit. with yeah. some of them. Okay, so let's break it down for the people who are listening what would you say Daimajin Cannon is about?
0: A um, very sad girl from a mountain town that was a kind of like a... She was a, like a, a... shrine maiden. A shrine maiden, sure. She was a shrine maiden that had a song that she could put um, Daimajin to sleep or wake him up. But it wasn't... She wasn't really known to her that this was what this song did. She just knew it was like a powerful song that her people sang. Well, then she like falls in love with a guy in Tokyo and he steals her song. So... It's also, like, metaphorical for stealing her heart and her, like, her spirit and her Mm -hmm. self. Mm -hmm. So she's, like, depressed and cries all the time. And then... Don't you worry. (laughs) Just... uh, Just shout. (laughs)
2: Just shout, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Anyway.
0: And then these yokai-type sentai creatures that yeah, work for... Yeah, yokai
2: sentai. I like that. Yeah,
0: they work for um, Daimogen, and they have these little booby bell creatures that hang out with them. <laughs> I don't even know what
2: it's else. It's hard to describe. <laughs> they look like bells with like little bodies attached to them. They're
0: like, okay, they're like, they're like, they have armor. They you look know what, like a bell. Guys,
2: the show is weird. It's let's, weird. Let's actually just throw this out right now. If you haven't been able to tell, the show breaks the tradition totally. of the Daimogen trilogy.
0: It's like a Completely. teen drama, but with Diamond Jin.
2: Yeah. It's and a,
0: yokai sentai.
2: Yeah, she's a college student, right? So it's like a college yeah. student drama in a sense, right? Yeah. Kind of, or she, maybe it's like teens Well, no, look remember up she to has, them. Yeah.
0: She, well, no, she's a college student because she had, like, she talked about her classmate or her classmate that was taking advantage of her.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, That was yeah, getting yeah. her
0: soul sucked or something <laughs> like that. I don't know.
2: So there's a, like we said, there's a yokai element of it. Totally. And it, essentially, the good guys, the sentai heroes, they have to fight this yokai force, which is a really bad way to put it. If you've mm-hmm. seen the show, you know that I, I just screwed that up. But basically, they have to fight this yokai force that has a name that I can't remember. And But the entire time, as someone who loves kaiju movies, I'm sitting here watching it going, when is gene showing up? When are we getting Majin?" I watched the very first time, I think I told this story on the podcast once, I watched the first five episodes of that show and I was like, dude, Dime Machine does not show up. I'm done. <laughs> and he really doesn't show up until the very <laughs> end.
0: Not until the very end. You have to that.
2: have so much patience. And in my opinion, the Dime Machine angle opinion, it just never pays off really. It's I more learned for, it's to like enjoy the thing. show on a completely separate level. Yeah. Completely different from any... Uh, Dai or Dai Kaiju enjoyment. There's a little bit that you get here and there of some battles with some of the larger monsters, but overall, in terms of delivering that Kaiju punch,
0: yeah, it does not. Didn't you think that the bad guy looks like uh, one of the, the Shinigami from Death Note?
2: I thought, yeah, but like, I thought really it looked more like, um, have you seen all the Yokai movies? All three of the Yokai yeah. movies from Dai in the last film there is a dude who carries a, a snake on his shoulders and he sort of turns things into okay, snakes okay, and stuff. Okay. He just has Got nothing but crazy yeah. white hair. That's what he reminded me of. Totally. But I think I saw that way before I saw any Death Note stuff. Uh, yeah, anyway, but so Dimaging Cannon is not available. It's kind of like uh, the Mikazuki show that I was talking about in that one episode. You can watch it online. We found a whole bunch of them on YouTube that are the subtitled. The whole series. Uh yeah I would imagine it is the whole series cuz they had so many episodes 25. that I was like where is number 2 or number 3 here. Totally. Uh it's I would say if you enjoy the sentai aspect of tokusatsu yes. definitely give it a shot. I will have a link in the show notes. Word. So you can check it out on your own if you so wish. It's fun.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs>
2: Did I sell you on it? No, no, no. <laughs> no. no?
0: Are you in you Are you in Sentai like uh, shows and stuff like that? Uh, it's pretty
1: limited. We'll just say like
0: Power Rangers. Yes. Like yes, I, yes. it's got
1: to be. I can't sit there and actually watch it. It's too drama. It's too just. Yeah, I'm not into dramas. I. It's. I love Ultraman, and I love when there's a great little science patrol team and stuff like that, but. Um, I I've tried to go back and watch the Power Rangers and I've tried to watch some of the new ones yeah. and it is. Oh, they're horrible. terrible. Just awful. Sorry to everybody who
0: likes Power Rangers. So, sorry. I was, but I mean I was that's a lot what got older me into when it. those came out. <laughs> sure,
2: yeah. Power yeah, yeah. Rangers is age what gaps, got me into gaps. monsters,
1: I'd
0: say. <laughs> yeah. Like Japanese monsters. So
2: the Diamogene but... Canon show, the last thing I want to say about that is that that was sort of like a finally something's happening because in the nineteen nineties there was talk of a potential Diamogene reboot. Uh, Golden Harvest, the Hong Kong film company, Uh-oh. was going to get involved and help produce this Daimajin movie. And mm-hmm. apparently Kevin Costner was attached to be... <laughs> I don't know. I think it was going to star like, him.
0: He's dances hmm. with Daimajin? <laughs>
2: yes, yes, yes. Daimajin with wolves.
0: Oh, no. 2008,
2: Katakawa had already purchased Dai because Dai went bankrupt, right? So in 2008, Katakawa announced they were going to do a Daimajin series or Daimajin movie with Takashi Miike,
1: crazy what? director
2: Takashi Miike.
1: Wow! But
2: it was canceled after the poor box office results of Gamera the Brave. Oh. Oh. So it wasn't until 2010 that it finally got off the ground. Is
0: attached to Gamera the Break?
2: No, no, no. Just because it's like a. It came out in 2006, I think.
0: Oh, because it would be a money draw, right? Mike? I mean, Mike doing a film?
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, he did The Great Yokai War in 2005. Right. But then Katakawa released the Gamera the Brave, and when it didn't do well, they were like, oh, maybe we don't need to do this kaiju thing again.
0: Mm. So,
2: sad times.
0: Yeah. That could have been amazing.
2: It could have been. It could have been. Uh The last thing I should mention before we move along to the listener homework is that Daimajin, in all three movies, was played by Chikara Riki Hashimoto, who was actually a baseball player for the Mayanichi Orions. Oh. But he hurt himself, and so... He ended up getting into acting and then became Daimogene for all three movies. Good for
1: wow.
2: Him. Uh, cool. Unfortunately, he died last year, but he made mm-hmm. it to the ripe old age of 83. And, you know, we appreciate his service as the giant, hideous idol. Yeah. Having said all that, let's hear what the listeners had to say. Alan says that Wrath of Daimogene is a slow burn as the kids slog across the mountain. The mat work is impressive, and there were only a few shots in the film that accidentally reveal studio shots most notably when the kids fall down in the snow. The death of one of the kids came as a total shock to Alan and probably wouldn't be done if this was an American production. However, the payoff when Majin finally awakens is well done. With decent miniatures of The Gate to the Samurai Camp, it's a well-made film, but the wait for the kaiju sequences was too excruciating. Two and a half out of four stars. Adams says it's an apt title if there ever was one, Daimajin Strikes Again follows the same basic formula of trouble for a village and a big, green, hulking god leaving its stone form and thrashing wrongdoers at the end. While the general elements remain the same, the movie does shift away from the first two by embracing a childlike sense of adventure through, indeed, the eyes of a child. The movie builds an imaginative and oftentimes captivating tale of young children, perhaps a little naive but showing reverence to their god as needed setting out on a daring and commendable but perhaps foolhardy quest to save their parents, local lore, and dangers be damned. The movie finds a good rhythm and paints the children as likable and sincere. The combination of their physical efforts, emotional wherewithal, and mental stability build a core that's contrasted but augmented by Maijin's wrath. The end of the movie is definitely more the same. Any of the three film's final minutes could easily be interchanged, But the buildup makes Daimajin Strikes Again a solid movie, and one that should appeal to a wider audience, including series newcomers, veteran fans, and younger viewers looking for adventure down at their own size. Mike Keller will not say that Wrath of Daimajin is the best kaiju Ega to feature children in leading roles. He still likes Smog Monster too much for that. But he will concede that it probably uses children the most effectively, The movie is not afraid to put the kids in the middle of the action, even to the point of killing one of them. A bold and unusual choice for this type of film. And the kids aren't that annoying. So it's not like anybody actually wanted that rug rat to bite it. Oh well, Mike guesses that it's hard to get good drama without a couple of red shirts. Mike is not sure if he has a preference out of the three Dimagine films. They technically aren't sequels, but three takes on an idea. And all seem to be of equal quality. A little-known fact was that Maijin Suit actor Chikara Hashimoto also played the villain Hiroshi Suzuki in Bruce Lee's Fists of Fury slash Chinese Connection. And the evil yokai in Spook Warfare. That's right, he played Daimon. Akira Ifukabe's score must be mentioned, so rare for the maestro to work outside of Toho, and some of the music in this film specifically would turn up again in King Kong Escapes. Mike thought the brief scene where the mysterious old woman warns the children of Maijin's mountain owed something to Bert I. Gordon's The Magic Sword, but it was only like a buck fifty. The raft on the rapids also reminded him of deliverance, though thankfully no one had to squeal like a pig. Mike notes that Maijin's hawk attacks the villains of the film before Maijin himself is summoned to life, indicating that he'd already chosen a side before getting his stone ass into action. He did think it was odd that Majin saw fit to resurrect his pet hawk, but leave the drowned kid and the guy who was tossed into the sulfur pit as dead. For that matter, Mike is not sure if anyone noticed that Majin actually killed a good guy or two when he first came to life, albeit unintentionally. Sidebar, those guys were literally, like, interjected into the plot as people to die, I feel. (laughs) Mike has little else to say about any of the Daimajin trilogy, except that they are essential viewing and the best example of mixing traditional Jidai Geki with monster action. And if you have but little to say about a movie, then that should be more enough. And there you have it, our Daikaiju rediscussion for Wrath of Daimajin. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I couldn't help but notice we only got a handful of homework in. I'm wondering if this is because people don't like this movie, or if they don't actually have this movie at their fingertips. One of the things that I noticed... Annoyingly so, is that this Blu ray set that we watched tonight from Mill Creek Entertainment is no longer available, at least not through the mainstream channels. So, of course, some jackhole on Amazon is trying to sell it for 150 bucks. Really gets under my skin that people who want to see giant monster movies can't see giant monster movies because there's just no way they can justify the hundred plus dollar price tag on these things. It's ridiculous. Somebody ought to do something. Maybe somebody will do something later. You're probably wondering what next month's film is going to be here at the KaijuCast HQ, and I can tell you with a reasonable degree of certainty that next month's Daikaiju discussion will be for the follow-up to Godzilla Monster Planet, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle, or one of the other potential titles that has been translated for this. We're not exactly sure what Netflix is going to be calling this one, but Netflix has yet to actually tell us what the actual release date is. We're crossing our fingers for a mid-July release. That would be amazing. It would be timed perfectly for the Kaiju cast, of course. So if that is the case, the homework assignment is to watch the next Godzilla anime, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle, and have that homework turned in i tell you what, I'll give you a little bit of extra time. Have that homework turned in by July 27th to be included in the Daikaiju discussion. But Kyle, you're saying to yourself, what if Netflix screws you over and they don't release Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle in July? Well, dear listeners, if that is the case, we will turn to our next film in the Daikaiju Rediscussion series, which will be Godzilla vs. Biollante. The same due date would apply, but please, please, please don't send in your homework early. Wait to see if Netflix actually puts Godzilla City on the edge of battle. Every time I say that, I look to see if it's wrong. But yes, we'll see if they actually release it on the 18th. So hopefully they will, and we'll get to watch a brand new Godzilla movie. And hopefully I'll be able to get some people to actually come over this time. I know I can count on Clancy at least. So uh, there's no news for this episode. We're going to go ahead and sort of close things out. I did want to throw out a couple of last-minute announcements. The first is that the pins are in, and the orders have all been fulfilled. Every order that has been placed up until this recording has been sent out. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show and buying those pins. We will be cutting off the order process about a week before G-Fest, because my plan is to take everything that's left and shove it in my bag and bring it with me to the convention. In addition, I'll have some lanyards with me, so if you're looking for a good way to not ruin your shirt and avoid stabbing the fabric of your shirt with this badge pen, come see me for a kaiju core lanyard. And then you can, of course, put your pen on your lanyard. It all works out in the end. After the convention, I will be returning to Portland, of course, adjusting the remaining quantities, and then putting the page back online. There's an unfortunate announcement to make. One of the stars that was going to be at the show this year, Akira Takarada, unfortunately has to cancel his appearance due to a minor yet unforeseen surgery that has to be scheduled. So G-Fest is attempting to try and get somebody to fill that gap, but we don't know because it's pretty late in the game if anybody will be able to actually make it. Fingers crossed there. Speaking of G-Fest, let's talk about it just a little bit. It's happening July 13th through the 15th in Chicago, Illinois. They will have special guests like Megumi Odaka, who played Miki Sagusa, and Showa-era, and I think even Heisei-era, suit maker Keizo Morase will be at the show. I'll be running around the convention uh, quite a bit. If you haven't actually seen it, I posted a graphic on the KaijuCast Facebook page. It shows all of the panels that I'm going to be doing. So at G-Fest, I'll be doing the Keizo Morase panel on Friday at noon, On Saturday at 11 a.m., I was supposed to be doing the Akira Takarada panel, but unfortunately, Takarada is not going to be at the show. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to be happening there, because if G-Fest does have a replacement guest, I hopefully will be interviewing that guest in that time slot, 11 a.m. in Ballroom 2. But if that doesn't happen, I will be part of the Summit Kaiju Photo Contest happening at 11 a.m. in Ballroom 1, actually and then that is followed by the Noon Megumi Odaka panel, and then later on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. in Dojo Studios, I will be talking with Keizo Morase and Daisuke Sato about their work on Howl from Beyond the Fog. And if that wasn't enough, ladies and gentlemen, we also have the listener party happening Saturday night. Right after the whole costume parade, we'll head out to the patio and kick off, I think it's the 7th annual KaijuCast listener party at G-Fest. We might be doing things a little different this year as well. Clancy and I have talked about doing a little trivia game, not against the listeners, but basically if you guys want to win some cool prizes that we're going to be bringing, just some little stuff from around the studio, you can win them if you take part in the listener party, Pickled Ginger. Yeah, don't miss the listener party. It's a ton of fun, and hopefully it'll be more fun this year. We got some people who want to do some cool stuff during the party this year, so please make sure to show up if you're at G-Fest. That is going to do it for this particular episode of the Kaiju Cast. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Gretchen and Rachel for showing up and being part of the discussion. Make sure to check out the show notes for all the cool things that I talked about during the episode, and we're going to close out this Daikaiju Rediscussion episode with a little metal. This is actually a really rad track that was posted recently by Andrew and the Kaiju Core Facebook group. This is a band named Cyanide, and this is a track named after this movie, Wrath of Daimajin. Thanks for listening. We will see you for the next episode. Yamata.